The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded December 17th, 2019. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Happy New Year. How are you doing, Hugh? Oh, Happy New Year indeed, Joe. Well, as an Albertan, I'm waiting for my New Year's treat from the federal government. Uh, That's okay. So what we're talking about now is we've got the 2020 numbers from the Department of Finance in respect of that climate action incentive rebate. Uh, so Ontario for the first person in the family, 224. Manitoba, 243. Saskatchewan, 405. Alberta, give me, give me, 440. <laughs> $44. That was nice, Hugh. <laughs> $444. So why so high in Alberta? And the reason is because it covers a 15-month period rather than a year. Because as we know, it started a little bit different in terms of the timing in Alberta. Um, the other thing, too, is in order to access these dollars, you're, you're filing your 2019 return. And that's where you actually get access to these specific benefits here. So don't forget that. Uh, Katie, Hugh? Yeah, also remember, if you have farmer that farmer clients, uh, just rem be reminded that they may be able to file an application to be exempted from this carbon tax on fuel acquired for farming activities. This will be particularly important for your clients in Alberta that may not have, have recognized this opportunity. I mean, in the other provinces, hopefully the farmers have already applied, but if not, definitely take a look at the source material uh, to the video here. Well, Joe, I guess we'll see early in the new year whether the Supreme Court thinks the carbon tax works or whether we have to try something else. And uh, the Rhino Party gave us another idea in the election, <laughs> didn't they? I, lo I love this. Okay, so they're going to cut down on, um, you know, the carbon footprint of Canadians by encouraging people to carpool. And how are you going to do that? Forget about these incentives. All we're going to do is require... We need better results. Better results. So we're going to require that all vehicles have the brake put on the passenger side there. So you all have to drive together... <laughs> from now on. That so, ought to do it. Your passenger has to stay awake in your vehicle. Yeah, we'll get rid of all vehicles. Well, happen. we know what we're getting with our 2019 return. And uh, speaking of campaign promises, apparently we didn't like the Rhino campaign promises well enough. So we got mm. the Liberals who had a campaign promise to bump up the basic personal amount. Mm. And they came through. We have our draft legislation to bump that up. It's going to be phased in from 2020 to 2023. And eventually, it'll be $15,000 in 2023, index for inflation after that. But not everybody's going to get the bump up. Some of us are going to have to keep the old basic personal amount. How are we going to figure that out? Well, if your income is over about $150,000 for 2020, the point where the fourth tax bracket starts, we're going to claw that back, and the enhancement will be gone entirely if you hit the fifth tax bracket at about 214 grand. So a little bit higher numbers for those uh, particular taxpayers. Everyone else will get an enhanced basic personal amount. But what they didn't tell us, as I recall, is mm -hmm. we're also going to get a higher spousal exemption or a higher eligible dependent exemption. Those will also both be based on the new higher basic personal amount. And enhancements will not be reduced because those dependents will never have 150000 of income. If they did, we're not getting a credit for them. So a little bit of change there, and uh, always nice to see a little more tax relief. Maybe not nice to need a great big schedule to calculate what used to be one simple number on the tax return, but hey, we all like a complex tax system. Yeah, right? you're going to have to use your computers a little bit more to figure it out. And <laughs> speaking of that, Caitlin, tell us about crowdfunding. Oh, yeah. Interesting technical interpretation this month. And Syria was looking at a situation where we had an individual who set up a crowdfunding campaign 
campaign to help with the additional costs of therapy and support for their recently born child. Now, a number of people were contributing to the crowdfunding campaign. The individual's employer also wanted to make a pretty sizable contribution to the campaign. So, Sierra to the crowdfunding campaign. So, Sierra had to look at that and determine if that contribution from the employer would be taxable to the employee or a non-taxable amount. Now, Sierra said, of course, it's a question of fact. We need to see in which capacity that individual received the amount as part of their employment or just as an individual in need in a very difficult situation. Now, what I like about this technical interpretation is where Sierra said, you know what, if you meet a number of factors, uh, if that individual is arm's length from the corporation or the, you know, the employer, if they're not a person of influence or not a decision maker, that type of person, and if you see that the payment is made for humanitarian reasons, it's voluntary, um, it's not tied to employment factors uh, like performance, years of service, Time, yeah. yeah, exactly, it's not an exchange for employment services, then we are going to consider that contribution to be non-taxable. So definitely the result that the employee was looking for. Yeah, good news for the employee. Now they're going to look at the employer. And what do they say about the employer? Well, if I made a contribution gratuitously to this thing, I don't get any tax relief. That's mm -hmm. not a registered charity or anything similar. So. Mr. Employer, since you've told us this wasn't in their capacity as an employee, it really wasn't laid out to earn income. So we're not giving you a deduction either. Mm -hmm. So if I don't want to fight with CRA, I guess I got to accept that either we're taxable in taking a deduction for an employment payment, or he's not taxable, but the employer's making gratuitous payments not to earn income, no deduction. Mm -hmm. So, a bit of a tough call there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to something a little more rosy, uh, gross negligence penalties. Uh, so, we, we saw an interesting case recently which basically said that uh, the magnitude of the income that you did not report on your return was enough to show that you were grossly negligent. In the past, usually we, we had to prove that they are grossly negligent in other ways. You missed things on purpose or as intention, but just the size of it in this case is what turned the tables and said you're grossly negligent. So we're only talking about for one year $27,000, the other year about $6,000. And those numbers aren't huge, but relatively they were. The $27,000 constituted 45% of the total sales for that individual for the year, so it was big enough to be, yes, uh, to indicate gross negligence. But that $6,000 amount constituted only 23% of that year's sales, not big enough. So grossly negligent in one year, but not the other. Mm. So it looks like over 45% problem, under 23%, not necessarily. Uh, interesting case to look at, though. Yeah. Definitely a change, Joe. In the past, we've certainly seen CRA suggest big dollars are enough to be grossly negligent. This is the first time I think the courts have supported them. Mm -hmm. But we've seen a lot of people who had to go to court to get it reversed when they could show they weren't grossly negligent. Well, let's have some actual good news, Joe, at least for those of us who uh, are in the tax field and we got to get authorizations through the represented client system. CRA says, we're going to make a few changes. And the one that a lot of our uh, course participants were really happy with, uh, we were right up to people dancing in the aisles in one course. Normally they cheers. just held it down to Hugs. cheers. But uh, <laughs> what did they say? We're not going to cancel authorizations for taxpayers who pass away. They will get to uh, their representatives. will keep access to their tax data starting after the next update, which normally happens in February. So February mm -hmm. 2020. 
We're also going to remove the restrictions when you uh, are getting authorization for someone with a care of address. So some good news there. And we're going to make big changes to the system. Okay, that didn't sound like such good news. We're going to get rid of the T1013, the RC59, and the NR95 for non-resident tax accounts. We're going to smash them all together into a new form called the AUT-01, which only gets you offline access, which is fine for non-resident accounts. We can only get offline access. We're going to, have to be really careful if we're filling these out, because if you've already got online access for a social insurance number or a business number, and you file this form with that number on it, bye-bye off online access, and now you got offline access. As for getting access to our personal tax clients, now that we don't have the 1013, if we want online access, we're going to have two choices. We can do it the same way we do for a business account. Go online, punch the data in, print out a sheet, and the clock starts ticking. you got 10 days to get your client's signature and get that back in and upload it. But most of us aren't going to use that if we are preparing personal tax returns because we liked the way of just putting it into our personal tax software, clicking file, and bang, we had immediate online access. Well, the only thing that's changing there is no more 1013. We'll have a form that we can either print from our software or CRA has said you can just create your own in-house facsimile version of that form. Make sure you get all the same data, but get it signed. You can click the upload button. And if we want to see the client's signature, we'll let you know. Just keep it on your files like you did the 1013. So probably a lateral move there, but the changes to authorization, particularly for deceased taxpayers, are very welcome. Mm -hmm. One last final point, tax on split income. We get a lot of questions about the uh, deeming provision whereby if you're working in a business at least an average of 20 hours per week, you are not subject uh, to the top tax rate. Technical interpretation here where CRA says you actually have to be working in the business, not just receiving paid days off. So holiday days, sick days, don't count, don't get sick, eat your vitamins, and have a wonderful January. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. The preceding information is for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see www.videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc. 2020. All rights reserved.